Howdy and welcome to the Confidence Through Health podcast. I'm Jerry Snyder. As an elite level athlete, owner of All In Health and Wellness, and author of the book Confidence Through Health, my goal is to help you achieve your goals and dreams using health as the conduit to get there. So I want to take a second to thank our sponsor for this episode, American Sports and Fitness Association. They are the place to go for your personal trainer and fitness certifications. They have a wide range of certifications, everything from personal trainer to golf fitness instructor to water aerobics to nutrition and sports nutrition. Uh, If you've been thinking about going into uh, sports and fitness instructor uh, arena, I highly suggest you check out the American Sports and Fitness Association. There's a link on on my website, confidencethroughhealth.com. Go there to look at other episodes of the website, but also check out uh, their information. Uh, It'll link to their website, and you can check out more information about how to get certified as a sports and fitness instructor. Howdy, and welcome back to the Confidence Through Health podcast. This is Jerry Snyder here, and I'm bringing you this week a conversation I had with a good friend, Dr. Brandi Lynch. She's an assistant professor in the area of sport pedagogy at the University of Central Missouri. She has a PhD in sport pedagogy. And when we met, she was working as a physical education teacher here in a small town in Texas. And I was the fundraising representative for the American Heart Association. And I worked with her on giving her information to help her kids in her classes understand heart disease, understand the need to take care of their body, take care of their heart. And I saw her passion for not just her students, but also for physical education as a whole. She brings to this conversation information that is pertinent to parents about what is going on in physical education in schools, what should be going on, what is going on, how that needs to change in the future, and what she's doing with the students at her university to make sure that proper physical education is taught in schools going forward. And so we talk a little bit about that. We talk about how to basically take care of your body and what you can do to supplement physical education so that your kids understand that their body is with them for the rest of their life and they need to take care of it. So without further ado, I give you a conversation with my good friend, Brandy Lynch. So thanks Brandy for being on. Yeah, thanks Jerry for the invite. So we were talking just a little bit about, uh, you know, physical education in, um, in the schools and what it's going to look like. And, and, you know, so your background, you've obviously, you've been a teacher in a public school and then you've grown up into now you're teaching the future teachers. So what have you seen is like the, the, the differences and, and not necessarily like we'll get to the, the COVID restrictions and all that crazy differences and all that. Cause that's a whole nother level. All right. But, before that, like, so up to that, like last year, what's the differences in like, from when you started as a teacher to what you're now teaching your teachers to be prepared for? Um, so when I started teaching in the K-12 setting, um, I, I feel like there's only so much you can cover in a class or read from a textbook. And, and now I even tell my teacher candidates that, um, you know, we can go over these things and talk about scenarios, but there's so many things that are situation specific and just the nuances of districts and schools and what that looks like. But um, I think one of the biggest things is just advocating for our profession 
because it looks different than what a lot of people grew up thinking about uh, gym class. And I say that in air quotes, gym class, because what we do is not gym class. Uh, right. gym, a, a gym is a location, not a subject. And so we try to um, change the perspective of that and um, to really paint a different picture of what most people think of when they think of PE or physical education, because it's, it's different than what your parents went through. It's different right. than maybe even what, you know, people my age went through. And so I, we kind of, we call it the, the new PE or quality physical education or health and physical education. And um, it's just a matter of trying to raise awareness for what's happening in our classrooms and in our spaces, yeah. because uh, there's so many amazing things happening and children are learning. They are learning. They're not just playing. They're not just running around. Um, it's not physical activity class. It's physical education class. And so there's so many different components that go with that. And uh, we're doing some amazing things. So I'm, I'm really trying to teach my, my teacher candidates to advocate for their profession and to get that word out because um, depending on what someone's experience was, it might not have been the best. Um, right. And a lot of people have some super negative perceptions of PE and I don't blame them based on what they went through. So I validate that reality, but then also try to explain that that's not what we're doing, or at least that's not what the students that come out of my program and many programs ac across the country, that it, it looks different than it used to. Right. Well, and that's one of the things that, that like, I've always been, you know, on a professional level attracted to, to you because you know, the years that we met when I was doing Jump Rope for Heart and coming to your school is like, not only were you just like talking the talk, but like I could see it when I'd come observe your class. Like you were, you were doing the things and you cared about the kids. Not that other teachers didn't care about the kids, but it was, it was a caring at a level of like, I want you to take this on for the rest of your life and learn sure. something from it. Not just come in here and exercise for a little bit and get the wiggles out and, you know, go back to your class. Um, and I think that that's something that being being in Jump Rope for Heart, but also now having my own kids and working with the school district with my own kids and, and seeing that there are teachers out there that, that think of PE as just, and, and superintendents and like the PE is just like, okay, it's, it's the, the regular teacher's time to get a break from class and get an extra conference period or whatever, you know, and it's like, and the kids just get to go throw the ball around. Right, and I think that that has been a stereotype for a long time and again there there are some programs out there and we're trying to make them fewer and further between that you will see a roll out the ball type mentality mm -hmm. that um, students just come in and what game do you want to play today or we're playing kickball or heaven forbid like uh playing dodgeball uh, right. <laughs> a human is target sports uh, because that's yeah. what people relate to physical education and I'm like oh, that's not what we're doing. And so I always took it as a really great opportunity. Anytime anybody came into my gym and uh, I got some, some FaceTime, especially with you coming for Hoops for Heart stuff and Jump Rope for Heart stuff to say, hey, look at all the cool stuff that is happening. We're touching on all three learning domains. We're hitting right. social, emotional learning. We are you know, really uh, layering the affective component. We're touching on the psychomotor. We're hitting the cognitive. And so I, I was really proud of the program that, uh, that I created or helped create there and was blessed with having my students every single day. I didn't right. realize how much of a blessing that was 
until I got out and started supervising students, teachers, and going out to practicum field experiences and seeing that that's not the norm. And so yeah. I'm thankful I was in a place where uh, whether it was seen as important or it fit in the schedule to give classroom teachers a break or smaller class sizes, I don't care what the reason. I just love that I had my kids every single day. Right. And it does. It plays a big part, no matter what age they are, really, in the K through 12. Like, one of the things that I think is, is, is hurting us as a society is that physical education has been taken out of high schools and taken, you know, the, the number of days that you have to have it through middle school is dropping, junior high is dropping. And, you know, the, the brain's not developed fully until you're like 24, 25 years old. And so mm -hmm. you, you need that stress relief even more at that point um, of the activity. But like you said, you're still learning things about your body and about health that are going to carry you for the rest of your life. Yeah, like we, physical education is a legit subject with standards and outcomes that are assessed using, using the, you know, various tools. And so anytime you step in my gym or you step in uh, one of my teacher candidates gyms, you should see our I can statements on the wall that yeah. I can do this, that you, my students know every day at the beginning what they what they're gonna learn and be able to do by the end of the class. We're setting measurable specific goals. If my principal walked through, I could show him data that drives my decisions on why I'm doing something specific with instruction. If I'm mm -hmm. reteaching something, um, there's tons of differentiation going on so that all students can be successful, that this is serious. And it's one of those things I, I kind of like to, to point out sometimes that a math teacher needs to know everything about math, right? Like right. all the things about math and the credential is very focused, but in physical education, we have a K-12 certification. So when I get out and I'm licensed, I can work, I mean, really from pre-K all the way through high school. Right. And I, I'm supposed to know all of the content for that. And so <laughs> I compare it to sometimes like, um, like a band teacher, a band director. I'm not convinced that someone who is uh, head of music and of a band has to, is expected to be 100% proficient and have a level of expertise in every single instrument across right. the entire band or orchestra. Right. But in physical education, there is an expectation that we, uh, that we know and have expertise across every sport and physical activity out there. Right. across the K-12 curriculum. And so the depth um, and breadth of content knowledge that a physical education teacher needs and is expected to have is, is vast. And right. so we don't have a ton, you know, I don't have the curricular space to cover all that in my classes because I focus more on pedagogy. I want my teachers to know what good teaching looks like. Right. But then I want to give them the resources and the know-how to go look up those different things as they progress in their careers to say through professional development or through uh, being a part of a professional learning com uh, community or right. going to conferences to continue to enhance their content knowledge. Because just because I like basketball does not mean that my students should only do basketball. Like it's right. not, the standards don't say teach whatever Dr. Lynch's preferences are, but there is a lot of freedom in PE to 
kind of develop your own curriculum in a lot of spaces and some people take advantage of that and it's to the yeah. detriment of kids but the the cohorts and the students that i'm sending out these days because i don't send them out unless i feel like like they are up to par um, right. and good bad and different we've had a couple that uh needed to take a little bit of extra time with that and i don't feel bad at all because my name's on it my university's on it right my profession's on the line and so you're not you're not getting a roll out the ball dodgeball gym coach anymore i'm not developing uh varsity coaches there are uh minors for that and sure. even university of northern colorado has um a bachelor's in coaching so if yeah. you are if you want to be the coach awesome in texas you have to be a, a teacher of record to coach in the public school system right right so, right um you there's that connection but in a lot of places you don't and so when i get students that come in and they have this mentality that's like oh, i just want to coach high school sports awesome maybe you should look into sport management or you should look oh, into yeah. strength and conditioning or you should look into uh you know even that bachelor's in coaching because you get a you get a salary to teach eight hours a day and a stipend to coach after school right so your primary job is a teacher and if yeah. that's not your focus and your passion then please go do something else and then come in on friday nights and win your games right and post it in the newspaper like our kids deserve better than you know just some somebody who quotes just wants to coach right that's right. my mentality <laughs> well and you said something there that i think is is very it's very true and it's something that's needed in that you're teaching you're teaching students to go out and be good teachers you know and that's the difference and and i think that there's a lot of people in my generation that you know i look at them or they come to me and they're like hey i need help with my health and and oh you're not gonna make me exercise you're not gonna make me sweat you're not gonna do all these things and i'm like well yeah sort of goes with it it's part of the process right you know if you want better health these things have to happen um and a lot of times it comes down to oh i had this coach or this pe teacher that was horrible and with a and i'm like because they didn't they didn't want to be a good teacher they were just there for whatever other reason and they didn't connect with all their students and i know that you're not going to connect necessarily with every student in your class but i know a lot of teachers that do connect with every student in their class because they're there to teach first and not necessarily, you know, just like you said, collect a paycheck the to then go win the game. Yeah. You know? it's yeah. Like their, their goal is let's, let's connect and make sure that this, this student knows that this information is valuable for the rest of their life. Absolutely. And I, during the first week of school, I asked my new set of juniors uh, to write their teaching philosophy, whatever they felt like that was at this point in, their uh in their journey mm -hmm. and then to write their why you have to know your why so i really wanted them to think deeply and thoughtfully about why they want to go into this profession and there were a few that um over the years when i've done this that say like i just want to be like because i want to coach mm -hmm. and we have these conversations about if that's your passion then you probably need to pursue maybe a different avenue for your career and then and then jump in this especially if you're going k-12 um, yeah. because attrition rate in teaching is what uh 
40%. Oh, wow. 60% in the first five years. I mean, it's, it's significant. And if that's your passion, then what you do all day, every day with gen ed kids. Right. Uh, and I, and I say that in a, in a facetious tone because that's so silly. Like that's what it's about is we yeah. have to be in this for students. And so um, we try to identify that, that really early um, so that we don't put people out in schools who maybe have different goals or, or different plans. And right. I know that there are some old school coaches out there right now. And, um, and I, there's not much I can do about that, but right. I know that the ones who are coming up, I'm like, Hey, I want you go, to go out and, um, and get those jobs and fill those positions so that we want every student to just be uh, a lifelong mover. And right. we want them to be excited about physical activity, whatever it looks like for them. And so there are so many ways to, to be fulfilled in that and to exercise and to just have movement throughout your lives. And maybe it's not the basketball and the football and all these right. traditional things. I love that there are so many high schools that are really digging deeper into individual and dual pursuits mm -hmm. that are things individuals will are more likely to pursue once they get out of a school setting than the team sports. So right. if we were following our national standards, a uh, fun fact, there's not, there are not team sports standards um, in the high school outcomes that are put out by shape America. So the society oh, of wow. and physical educators, yeah, because <laughs> they recognize that that's, that's not what students are most likely to continue to participate in. Like there's very right. few adults that get their physical activity, the recommended, you know, allowance through team sports. Like, right. Very true. That's just not a thing. So, and all the students who, who are in, uh, in sports right now, like that's great, but I'm still going to say that those athletes need to be in physical education because right. unless you can show me, and you talked about like substitutions and waivers and kids not getting daily PE, unless you can show me that a different activity band ROTC, I think those are all valiant, you know, activities, things that we should strive for. They don't replace physical education because we have specific standards that we right. are trying, like we are achieving through our classes. So unless you can show me how ROTC and mowing lawns and all <laughs> these other things that people want to substitute right. uh, for physical education, if you're meeting those standards, more power to you. But I have yet to see any of those things that people want to sub in to say, your student will achieve all of these outcomes through that experience because right. they're not comparable. They might be getting some physical activity, which is fine and, and great. Yeah. And let's do that. But PA physical activity is not PE, right? It's included, but it's, it's not the only thing. And so um, I think it's an uphill battle and something that we continue to just strive towards bringing awareness to and kind of pointing yeah. those things out every yeah. day. So what could, um, let's say that parents are, are some, you know, there's a parent listening to this and says, you know, oh, wow. Yeah, our, our PE teacher is just the coach. And that's just, you know, like, how can we supplement? What can they do at home to supplement, you know, uh, maybe what they should be, what the kids should be learning? Say it's a, it's a you know, a middle school kid or a junior high kid. What, what could they be doing at home to add to that? Well, I think that, um, research shows that <laughs> when a family is involved and they're physically active together, 
that student, that child is more likely to continue being physically active into adulthood. And so right. I think making it um, a, a family thing is, is amazing. So we, as soon as we get home from school every day, we, don't, we usually don't even go inside the house. We park if, I mean, the weather is like crazy right now, but up right. to three days ago, uh, we would park and, and we would go out in the driveway and char, I have a two and a half year old and she loves to ride her little bike or she wants to go play on the play set in the backyard. She'll run around in the driveway and we just make it a family thing. Any, right. any given uh, weekend, we are riding bikes together. She's in the trailer, uh, she's in the stroller and we're out walking or jogging. We go explore different uh, trails in right. the Kansas City area. So just finding something that everybody can do together. And we think that it has to be like intense and it has to be crazy and like it has to hurt. Right. And that's just not true. Like going for a walk as a family before or after dinner um, is a great time to engage with your child to have some interesting conversations about the day and just kind of reconnect because we all go our separate ways and it's right. hard to find that time to just be together. And so I would just say things, things that you like to do as a family, if it's something that you're like, mm, my kid likes to skateboard, so no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's okay. But I think in encouraging those pursuits and, um, and offering those types of opportunities, I know that uh, Ninja Warrior gyms are a right. thing right those now. Yep. And my 10 year old goddaughter in Colorado uh, goes once a week and and just kind of goes to the open gym and she went to a camp this summer like the non-traditional things are okay too so you might yeah. have the student who has a passion for other things they might be really great at art or you know into music or something but that everybody has a body right and right. we have to take care of our body so it doesn't yep. matter what a what a shame if you are the next Beethoven but we didn't learn to take care of our bodies and, uh, and an individual, you know, passed away at an early age in life due right. to health related issues that were preventable. So right. everybody right. needs to move. And I think there's such a negative connotation with like exercise. We don't all have to pack up and go to planet fitness. Right. We can do things that are just, movement based. Um, my goddaughter loves to play dance dance revolution oh, on yeah. her, uh, gaming system. And yep. so every time we go, she's like, B, do you want to play? And I'm like, yes. And so we all sit there and play it. And yeah. I love to dance. Um, her dad does not love to dance, but he does it anyways. And so yeah. I think doing things you can, you can jump in and do together or just supporting your students and, uh, trying new things without the competitiveness. There's so many things that are cooperative or competitive with yourself. Um, right. You know that my spouse does uh, triathlons and right. ultra endurance running. And um, I hope that my daughter develops a passion for those individual type things too, because we have to stop doing the mile every Friday in <laughs> PE to stop yeah. with the negative stereotypes and the, the terrible fitness testing uh, mentality that they don't learn anything from. They don't know why they're doing it. They don't right. use it for individualized goals. It's check it off the list because we have to. I think two of the biggest uh, like complaints I ever hear about PE, it, well, maybe three, dodgeball, which should right. not even be a thing. Like right. that is on the uh, wall of shame 
Yeah. They should not be playing dodgeball. Like you need to talk to somebody. It's actually illegal in like multiple states yeah, at this it is. point because yeah. and there's like lawsuits against it. Mm-hmm. There are other ways to teach people how to throw for accuracy right. than throwing at a person. Come on now. Right. Like we gotta we gotta do better. Um yep. and then fitness testing because it's shameful, because it's in front of everybody. And right. there's so many other ways to teach students or other ways period to teach students about where they're at mm-hmm. uh, physically with their health and wellness and and then to use it meaningfully and purposefully without just I need some numbers to send down to Austin you know like right right also we need to do better and then the dressing out piece is is a thing and um, I have some personal thoughts on that that uh, it's it shouldn't be compliance it should be safety and it should be yeah. you know like hygiene so there should be some considerations but not just this is the way we should do it because that's the way it's always been done i learned when i was doing my master's at baylor that you question everything and so uh i became the super annoying teacher (laughs) in the faculty meetings and in the the coordinators meetings and and as a doc student and now as you know somebody on the other side of it in teacher education to say but why yep what is the purpose behind it Am I trying to elicit compliance from my students or am I trying to give them uh, a, a safe environment to learn in? And if we can't answer those questions, we should probably do something different. Yep. No, and that's that, that question of why and asking why is, you know, you hear it all the time from little kids, you know, four, <laughs> oh, four <I> know. <laughs> or five, six years. I mean, you've got it right now. You're in the, you're in the prime of it. You know, and that's one of the things that I've heard from so many people is that that are not in the education system, but just that are they're entrepreneurs that are business people that are like, I want the people that are still asking why that haven't gotten that just beat out of them, like through whatever school system or whatever, you know, sports they were in or where it was just like, stop, stop asking why and just do it because I told you to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I'd rather have the person that's asking why all the time because like you said, they're going to say, oh, well, why are we doing it this way? Mm-hmm. Could, could, it, the, could there be a better way? Yeah. And I, I mean, how are we ever going to grow? And I think it, it comes across as either disrespectful to yeah. question authority, or it comes across as almost an arrogance of like, well, maybe I know better than you do. But that's, that was not the culture that I was brought up in academically to say, yeah. No, you, you always question things like that's why we do research, either to confirm the results mm-hmm. that other people have found or to dispute them and see if, if there's something different. And so uh, on my side of it, I was socialized into this mentality that you say, is, is there a better way? And it's not because I'm, I'm calling you out. It's to say, but why? You're right. And I, I want yeah. my students to do that. I always tell them like, you can absolutely question me and if i'll give you my reasoning behind it and i hope i teach my daughter to do that too i i might be eating my words later on but <laughs> at this point i feel right i feel like i i want to raise students and and my kids to to have that why mentality because that's how growth happens right and it's you know and it's one of those things that i think when it comes to nutrition there's a lot of um you know just misinformation there's a lot of unclarity out there in the world not just at the education level but just in general and i think one of the issues is there's not enough people that are saying why they just they just buy into 
oh, well, if somebody slapped a healthy label on this, it must be healthy. And so it's good. And, you know, whether I've ever heard of this product or not, you know, and it's like, okay, well, you know, one of the things I come at is like, well, why are you eating that? What, what sense is that? Oh, well, it fits into that. Da, da, da. Okay. But look at the nutrition, what's inside of it. What's like, when you dig down, you're like, that's not a healthy product. Right. But it says organic. <laughs> but right. And it's like, you know, and it's, it's getting past the advertising piece of it mm-hmm. and understanding that, you know, and I, and I think there's, there's a piece of the education and academic world that's, that's sort of taken that on a little bit. And in my opinion, that's why one of the reasons why I think PE is taken out of high school so much is because there's so much significance put to GPA. There's so much significance to, to, you know, the AP classes and you need to be prepared in your, your subject that you're going to go into in major in college. Sure. That's all great. Um, but one, and you, you, you probably see this firsthand being, you know, in academics in college, like how many students change their major, right? Like, I mean, I changed mine twice. The average, I think the average is four. Wow. I think it's like students change their major four times before they yeah. settle on one. Yeah. I mean, I, half my students are, are transfers, uh, which is great. Like they, they started out at, you know, maybe a two year school or got in associates right. or went to community college and then moved on to, um, to my university or just students that have, have shifted majors either within under the umbrella of our discipline in kinesiology yeah. or jump shipped completely because um, I think in teaching a lot too, it's interesting that, um, so students have over 10,000 hours of like watching people teach through their K-12 career. Like they become right. experts and that's what teaching looks like. So then some of them think that's, oh, that's what I want to do because they've watched it. But yeah. becoming a teacher and watching someone teach is the difference between watching a ton of Netflix and thinking, I could be a director because I have seen <laughs> tons of movies and it's right. It's just a different beast to be behind the scenes. And so there's a little bit of a wake up call sometimes and, and students, you know, there, are, there are situations at the end of the day where they're like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And I am a hundred percent okay with that. Like I yeah. do need my numbers and, you know, people higher up than me worry about budgets and all of that enrollment. But I care about the end game, which is, yeah. impacting students in a positive way. So if someone has other passions or they came into it thinking I'm going to be the rollout, the coach, like I could get paid to do what that guy does. Heck yes. Or right. I just get paid to play all day. Um, yeah, that's, that's actually not a whole, that's really not what we're doing. Like I love to jump in and participate with my students sometimes because it creates engagement and it builds those connections. But yeah. I can't tell you the hours that I spend backwards planning, prepping, assessing, mm-hmm. analyzing data, all, all of the things, you know, yeah. that goes into good teaching. And that's, it's not specific to my content area, but it's not, not in my content area either. Some, yeah. some people think it's just, you know, and I, I would tell the parents that, you know, watch the, or like, listen to this, that uh, go check how your student is being graded in PE, because if right. it's on participation, effort, and dressing out, you need to demand more because right. grades should demonstrate learning. 
should communicate right. what students are learning. And literally all three of those, uh, those capacities are either super subjective mm -hmm. or they're, they're management issues. They're not learning. And so right. we have to do better. And there's, it's, it's going to take a generation of little by little infiltrating the system to say, it's not that you just go, you just go try really hard and you change your shirt. Like, yeah, that's why we don't have credibility because right. that's what it's been based off of for so long. So you should say, Hey, what are the standards? What are my students, you know, being evaluated on and how are you determining that? And if it's, if it, it's those things that are, you can't show evidence of learning or they're not teaching right. towards outcomes demand better. Right. That's, that's more on the administration uh, of schools to say, Hey, I I'm holding you accountable. Just like I hold accountable all of the, the other teachers in the building, especially the ones that do high stakes testing. Like you're right. And even when I was teaching in Texas, my class sizes got smaller every year because they were pulling kids out for more testing. Oh yeah. And I was like, yeah. it blows my mind because all of the data shows that active kids do better. Exactly. That they do better. And at the very least, they don't do any worse. So right. you are on this side of things, you are actually putting them in a situation where they're activating their brains and they're going to go in and be able to focus more and, yeah. and have less stress and be able to learn better when they get in, especially those harder subjects. Or at the very least, they're getting the health benefits right. of my class and it's not taken right. away from the other ones. So I know that it's counterintuitive because when we see testing, we say, we got to sit them in the math seat longer. We got to do right. more with it. And, and that's just not what the data shows that no, you want them to come in my class to get some moderate to vigorous physical activity to move and engage their bodies and then go sit in that seat and take right. it all in even better. So yep. I, I don't know why that's still such a prevalent mentality, but it's not what the data shows and it's, and it's not doing any, you know, it's not, it's such a disservice to our kids. Right. Well, and the, the, you know, the funny thing is, is that we, we've done that for so long in schools of, you know, well, they need more time. And so we're going to pull them out of recess and send them down and they're going to send more time on their reading test or what, you know, whatever it is. And, then they get into the workforce and now you're sitting behind a desk. You know, a lot of people sit behind a desk for eight hours a day or 10 mm -hmm. hours a day. And they don't know why at four o'clock they're just like fried, their brain's done. They've got a massive headache and they, it's like, cause you haven't moved your body at all. Right. Like, and you know, it there, and I know it's, it's one of those things that people are like, Oh really? I've got to move every, you know, 10 minutes, every hour. What I got to, okay. I'll walk to the, you know, water fountain or whatever. I'm like, no, seriously, go outside and you will be far more productive. And, you know, I mean, and I've given talks on this to local chambers and stuff about like it, you can get more work done in six hours of work time if you break it up and spend a little time exercising throughout the day. Absolutely. And I teach my, my teacher candidates to like, I equip them with the skills and the resources to once they get out into schools, uh, to be able to share that with classroom teachers to provide brain breaks for students. So to take four or five minutes to do a go noodle, uh, you know, dance or yeah. to engage in just something where they can get up and they can move around and, 
and and you're right unplug for even just a few minutes like one yeah. it will help you be more focused when you sit back down right and it, you know not make you feel as tired during the day but then two like for uh for children the recommended 60 minutes a day of physical activity mm -hmm. uh it doesn't have to be 60 minutes all at once it's right. cumulative so if we can break that up into five ten minute bouts and just get them going for a little bit yeah you're helping them achieve that that 60 minutes a day also so you get to double dip and i don't know that there's any like detriment to having that i wonder right. how many parents are seeing that uh, especially the ones who you know had students last semester that we went all virtual right. real quick yep. and teachers if it was in a synchronous setting or where their students are sitting at the kitchen table for hours on end mm -hmm. to see the kind of effect that it has on their kiddos and right. and to see what that looks like especially when you have pe in a virtual setting uh it's interesting oh, yeah. i feel like our profession and the teachers i know have absolutely stepped up to the plate to come up with some super creative ways to continue to teach our content uh even amidst this global pandemic but I, show me a, a teacher or a parent who does not see the value of like, oh my gosh, you're trusting me, I can go outside. <laughs> just, just please yep. go, just go play for a little bit. Because yep. uh, that's, that's the mentality. That's what teachers feel like when you take away recess from the kids. And now right. you're kind of seeing that. I, I think that one of the silver linings to all this is um, that it's a great opportunity to just kind of come back to our roots and say, what are we trying to be about? And right. can you see on a very organic level, like personally, how this impacts your child? Yeah. And now that you can see it for yourself, how does that change how you approach these things uh, once we get back into schools and we, we try to resume whatever normal looks like from here on out? Right. Well, and, that's, and that is one of the things that's gonna be different um, you know, because I volunteer coach at the high school level for cross country and track. And when the regulations started coming out over the summer of, okay, we're going to try and have a fall season for cross country and we're going to do this and this, this. And basically everybody across the board was like, we'll do it for high school because it's high school and it's competitive. And some of these kids, you know, are going to go on to colleges. And so they need to have that from the high school sports, not just cross country, but all sports. But it was very easy and very quick to go, we're not doing junior high. We're not, we're not even attempting, like, there's too much involved in that. We're not even going to attempt it. Like, and so I basically had to say to my, to the school I work at, I'm like, we're not going to have a cross country team because I can't get into a meet because there's so few mm -hmm. because nobody wants to like, we're not going to attempt that one, you know? Right. And, and that's fine with it from a, from a social distancing standpoint, from a, let's make it through this and get on the other side of it completely standpoint. I get all that side of it, but then looking at it going, okay, well, if, if that's what these kids did for their activity and they're not going to do it, how many, you know, 11, 12, 13 year olds are going to be disciplined enough to do it on their own if they don't have a right. class to go to, you know, if they don't have all these things. And so that's the side of it that I'm like, okay, parents, we got to step up a little bit, um, mm -hmm. you know, with the kids at home. And like you were saying, my kid, my nine-year-old boy, he's, borderline ADHD and man he when he, we were doing the schooling at home and I was the one at home with him 
I could very easily and quickly go, okay, I know you've only sat there for five minutes in front of your, you know, your tablet, but we are going to go back outside and we're going to shoot some hoops or we're going to throw the football around or you're going to jog a little bit. And then we're going to come back and try and do the rest of it. Cause otherwise I'm going to sit here for 30 minutes, just pulling, you know, pulling my teeth out, just being like, what, why can't you understand this? This is so basic. Second grade, like, come mm-hmm. on. Um, when it was just simply, he, he couldn't get past it from a connection standpoint in his brain. Right. You know, he had to go get everything out of his brain and settle everything and come back and have more focus. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I, it's, I think there's so many challenges that come yeah. with that. And when you take the sports piece out of it, especially for junior high, high school kids, I think it's very telling to show, okay, now that they don't have a coach walking them through boot camp, telling them exactly what to do or doing it from a competitive standpoint because you have to, um, what do they know about the fit principle? What do they Mm -hmm. know about the five health-related fitness components and how to approach each of those? Do they have any understanding of uh, exercise prescription and programming? Right. All of those things. And that's why I advocate for PE in addition to athletics because Mm -hmm. coaches aren't covering all of those things. You are in it to win it. So I need you to lift this many reps at this weight, this many times, take that kind of rest interval at this tempo and then move on. And they never get the the background of why. And so uh, I think that happens a lot. Like it's almost just a, we just sped up the the timing of when sports are no longer a, a thing for all of the students who played high school sports and then mm-hmm. go to college and very few, very few play collegiate, you know, right. are in, involved in collegiate athletics or, you know, even play intramurals to an extent. What knowledge and skills do you have to fall back on to say, okay, so now, now what do I do when I don't have someone telling me, right. um, you're not going to go run, uh, horses. You're not going to go run sprints up the bleachers. I mean, you might, <laughs> but there's no end game to that. It's not right. for the, the game on Friday night anymore. So then it's, you're left with, well, what do I choose to do? Not what do I yep. have to do? And I think that there's, there's such an opportunity now. And um, this whole teaching virtually has really kind of thrown a lot of what people think about physical education, either, even from a teaching standpoint on its head to say, mm-hmm. hey, hey, dodgeballers can't play dodgeball on, on Zoom. So now what are you going to do? <laughs> and, and makes them step up to say, oh, okay. So, so what can I do? And I think it's, it's so neat to see the creativity to say, you're kind of forced to say, what do students have to work with? So, right. oh, you don't have a basketball you don't have a tennis ball, you have some socks. Can you roll up, you know, mm-hmm. some socks into a ball and can you throw it into a basket? Can we work on, you know, stepping with opposition and right. underhand, like there's so many things that we can still do that now we are, we are forced to make the outside of class connection. And right. if we do a good job, I don't want to do too good of a job because this is not the most ideal way to teach or to learn, you know, right, like I right. want my kids back face to face, especially for the, the social, emotional and the, the like affective component of it. But yeah. if this is what we have to do right now, considering the circumstances, I am forced every day to try to find something engaging and mm-hmm. something to teach my students and have them learn in their setting. So now 
you know, a couple of years from now, I hope that there are still students out there doing some of the games and activities that they learned during their virtual PE classes because they figured out, I can do this at home. This right. is fun. I can be creative and, and kind of figure out what I have to work with and, and get my family involved or whatever it looks like. So I think that part of it is, is pretty cool because we, we don't have a choice but to make the at-home connection. If, and if we're trying to create lifelong movers, uh, right. you can't just keep it to the gym. You have to, you have to be able to transfer those skills and now we're being forced to. Right. Very true. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, so before I've got one more question for you, but before I, I ask you that, uh, I just want to re you know recognize you for everything that you've done to this point, because uh, like I said at the beginning, like you, it was obvious when I'd walk into your gym to be like, she, she understands her purpose. She understands her passion. And it was so much fun to be like, you know, to bring my, my boss in and be like, Oh, we're going to go to Fairfield. We're going to go talk. We're going to like, I want to show you some of the teachers around here and what they're doing. And, you know, and, and I had limits on how much time I was supposed to spend with each person, sort of like a doctor, you know, <laughs> but it was like, Oh, I'm going to go spend a lot of time with Brandy because like you fed me into how to deal with the teachers that were, you know, the coaches, quote unquote, that, mm -hmm. you know, were like, okay, I'll take your stuff and put it over there. Um, and didn't really care about really teaching it, but did the program, but didn't really want to teach about the heart or didn't want to teach about the nutrition side of it or, or the, the issues. And, and you, and you weren't just bought in just because it was the heart is a passion. And, you know, you had a, a, a you know, a calling to, to talk to about the heart disease or any of that kind of stuff. It was that you truly care about your kids. I um, do. And, yeah. and that's, so, I mean, I, I, I appreciate that. And I want to recognize you for that. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I loved when uh, you would come into our gym and I felt like I was just like, Hey, let me tell you about all the super fun stuff. we're doing." <laughs> In addition to the hoops for our, I know that's why you're right. here to, to collect those uh, packets, but do you see what's happening? And so I, I appreciate the collaboration because sometimes it gets a little isolating in right. the gym and um, you know, parent teacher conferences, it's not even a consideration to walk to that yeah. side of the building because you're just playing, playing games and it's yeah. so much more than that. So I appreciate the, the opportunity to share a little bit and to, to do all that. My passion is absolutely just for people to, um, to live, active and healthy lifestyles and, and be lifelong movers. And that's why I got into higher ed because I spent yeah. six years out there in Texas and class sizes got smaller. And I thought I, my sphere of influence is shrinking. What, right. what's the deal? And then it was, well, if my end game is truly to impact as many students positively as possible, the way I can do that is to step off the front lines, go get my terminal degree, get into teacher education. And if I can pour this, passion and this knowledge into future teachers they mm -hmm. will all go out into the masses and impact so many more students than i ever right. could have on my own and right. i may never know the side of heaven the kind of uh difference that i make in such a peripheral uh perspective but yeah i i feel so much purpose in what i do whether it be you know, teaching fifth graders in a town of 3000 in the middle of nowhere in Texas, how to jump <laughs> rope or right. uh, teaching college students um, about effective teaching strategies. Like, yeah. uh, I think what we do matters. And so yeah. I love sharing. So thanks yeah. for the opportunity to share. 
So, and you mentioned it there in your passion is that you want to teach people uh, about having a healthy lifestyle. So my last question is, how do you, how do you define a healthy lifestyle? Ooh, so a healthy lifestyle to me is, I think it's about making consistent, positive choices um, mm -hmm. across all the various dimensions of wellness. So we focus a lot on the physical, um, right. but also the emotional, the spiritual, the social, the intellectual aspects. So yeah. I think that it's that balanced and kind of comprehensive approach to promoting vitality and longevity and, and productivity in life. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's so much fun. Me too. She asked me if I wanted to dance. Thanks for checking out the All in Health and Wellness Confidence Through Health podcast. Our goal is to use health as a conduit to help you reach your goals in life.